Hello, and welcome to the e-learning and instructional design for beginners podcast, where new and aspiring instructional designers start, grow, and advance their careers. Would you like to become a successful instructional designer? Well, then let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Crystal Harper from eTeach Online. Today's topic is on how to assess your students online, specifically on how to use summative assessments with students online. And as I'm discussing these types of assessments, I will also show you some tools on how to implement these assessments. So just a brief overview, the purpose of assessments is to determine whether or not your students have actually achieved the desired level of proficiency of the given learning objectives in either a module or at the end of your e-learning course in itself. So summative assessments provide students with how well they are doing in contrast to formative assessments, which identifies specific areas that are needing to be improved during the course. So in this training, you will learn about four different types of summative assessments in e-learning, as well as three tips on how to effectively integrate them into an online course. And as I said, I will, I will also go over some great tools you can use when applying these different types of assessments with your students online. The first type of summative assessment we all know about, it's written reports. Honestly, written reports or essays is one of the best ways to assess your students summatively in an e-learning course. Receiving detailed written responses from your students online is much more often easier to replicate when compared to designing objective-based testing, which we'll talk a little bit more about. It's also much easier to assess your students' higher-order thinking skills. In addition, it's a lot more difficult for your students to cheat when they're writing a report. There are plenty of programs out there that can easily determine whether the words that the student has written are actually their own words. Now I'm going to go and show you a, a few quick things about Google Docs. That's really cool. When you're assessing students with written reports or essays, Google Docs is a great tool to use. So I'm just going to go ahead and show you some cool tips that you might not know about Google Docs. Okay, so here we are in Google Docs. This is actually a document that I created with um, a group of students in a course that I was taking. And I pulled this one up because it's actually something that four of us all participated in. So first of all, up here you can go to all save changes and you can see every time anyone did anything in the document. You can go back and restore and actually look back and see who did what, suggestions. This is just a really cool way to um, review progress or if you need to go back and bring a document back to where it was. So that's pretty cool and also Right now I'm in the editing mode, so it's directly editing. If I'm not sure about editing something, I can make a comment. And if one of the other girls came in to review my comment, they could actually even reply. So that's pretty cool. And you can resolve it when it's done. Also you can select suggesting view. So this is great for teachers when grading assignments, especially like an essay or a written report. A teacher can say, nope, that's not right and the student gets direct feedback from the, in the document immediately. So that's just one of my favorite things about Google Docs and also the sharing. You can share to edit, share to make comments, or share to view. I always think it's easier to just copy the link and share it, but you can also send it to email addresses or names. So yeah, that's just a couple of little tips that I really like about Google Docs and is great for teachers to use when assessing their students through essays or or written reports. 
Okay, so the next topic that I'm going to talk about is presentations. Online presentations discuss specific topics in which students can often even share in a discussion forum. Presentations are just a great way to engage your students and and assess them in more authentic ways as opposed to just objective-based testing. Students can really have fun with creating presentations while at the same time as learning. The main point of a presentation is just to show expected mastery of a given subject and also determining whether they've mastered the actual learning objectives. Now, everyone knows about PowerPoint, but I also want to show you about a really cool presentation tool that I love, which is called Prezi. Prezi is a, it's a lot more interactive than PowerPoint and either you can use Prezi to, to create lessons for students, but I think it's also a great tool for students to use when showing what they've actually learned as well. So let's go into Prezi real quick. Okay, so this is another thing that I created myself. I created it for an online sixth grade science class and it was on the laws of energy. So I tried to make it cool and title it the secret lives of energy. Yeah, it just, it's a little more fun. The students start here, gives them a to-do list. There's just a lot more interactivity when using Prezi. And it's really not that hard to use at all. They give you templates. You can put videos in. I'm not going to go over all of it, but I just wanted to give you an idea of what you can do with Prezi. It's pretty cool. All right, and the next type of assessment that I'm going to discuss is objective-based tests, which everyone knows about, but I'll go over it real quick. An objective-based course consists of multiple choice matching or completion items. Usually in the learning management system, you can customize the design and the deployment of the test, as well as your feedback options. In addition, you can show one item tests at a time or the entire test. Also in the learning management system, tests can be timed or even password protected. Another thing is that you can determine whether the student sees the grade immediately after finished or after the instructor has completed a review of after all the students have completed the tests. Another thing you might want to include in an objective-based test online is rationales to provide for each of the answers or even the item as a whole. But I do want to mention, however, that you should use objective-based tests with caution online. It's obvious that it's much easier for students to cheat. In a minute, I'm going to discuss some more ways that you can help prevent some of the common issues with objective-based tests online. But I want to go into the Learning Management System Canvas really quick and show you a few things of what I was talking about on how to set up an objective-based test in that Learning Management System, at least. So this is the sixth grade science class that I also had created the Prezi for that you saw a minute ago. But I just want to show you really quick. You can go into Quizzes. And this is a quiz that I created. There's the directions right there. And I'll go to edit so you can see all the options. For this, we would want to make it graded. And you can label it. Actually, in Canvas, there, there isn't a label for tests. You can only do quizzes. So if you're doing an objective-based test, you would just select quizzes. You have the option to shuffle the answers, time limit. As I was saying, you can let their students see their quiz responses and give them immediate feedback. You can allow a number of attempts and you can have the option to show one question at a time, require an access code. But yeah, Canvas makes it really easy to create tests online. And so do other learning management systems. They seem to be making it much easier in more recent years on being capable of actually working the program. All right, and the fourth topic that I wanted to talk about with assessing students online is portfolios. 
In a portfolio, students are asked to place important assignments throughout the e-learning course into an organized format using a website. A portfolio is often usually assessed at the end, or it can also be used for an entirely new project for students to determine a final grade on something. So that's it. Those are the four types of assessment that I recommend in an e-learning course. The four types of assessment were written reports, presentations, objective-based tests, and portfolios. Now I'm going to go into some tips on how to use these assessments in your online course. The first tip I suggest is to make a grading rubric available in advance. Prior to giving your students their summative assessments, it's important to make sure that they know what it is to be covered and how it will be graded. So provide them with a grading rubric and criteria in advance. Ensure that they understand how each section of the assessment will be analyzed. This type of scoring system assists in closing the feedback loop between the teacher and the student. Most learning management systems include built-in tools for creating assessment rubrics. Number two, use a wide range of assessments. Every student has different learning needs, so you should provide them with a variety of types of materials and activities so that they can learn the content effectively. Some students require more interactive assignments, while others might struggle with communication skills, which is an important skill in writing reports or essays. So when possible, include a good mix of summative assessment types to cater to the variety of your learner preferences and styles. Number three, measure security on objective-based tests. This one's important. I mean, they're all important, but this one's super important. So even when tests are not proctored, you can set deployment features to increase the security of the tests. The first security measure is to hide the test until the release date and make the test available to students who have a correct password. Number three, it's a good idea to set time limits so students only have a certain amount of time to answer the question. Typically one minute per multiple item is sufficient for students who have actually studied for a test. Number four, to reduce the possibility of students getting answers from other students in the course, you can develop item sets. The sets should have items with similar content but asked in a different manner or cover a slightly different aspect or concept. You can then make parallel forms of the same test. Most learning management systems have a built-in tool that can select an item from a question to make the parallel forms. Number five, in addition to having parallel forms, you can set the learning management system testing tool to randomize the presentation of the questions, which I showed you in Canvas just a minute ago. When you use parallel tests, randomization, and timed items, students have much more difficulty consulting with one another about a test. Number six, another method to promote honesty with non-proctored tests is to create the test open book. Simply make it legal for your students to use the internet, textbooks, and notes, but state what is off limits, such as discussing items with other students. You can use test items that require higher order thinking skills so that answers are not found on the page of a textbook or in students' notes. These strategies are great at supporting students' synthesis of concepts, analysis of problems, and development of solutions. Online courses offer technologies that make the design and reuse of assessment techniques much easier than in a traditional face-to-face -face class. Students can also receive immediate feedback on activities when automated scoring is used. So lastly, when designing assessments, remember to state clearly their expectations for honesty and the consequences of breaking policies. So in this training, you learned about four different types of summative assessments in e-learning, 
as well as three tips on how to integrate them in an online course. I know it's difficult starting out figuring out how to effectively assess students in e-learning. I hope you now feel more confident about creating summative assessments for your students in the online learning environment. Now that wraps up this week's e-learning and instructional design for beginners podcast episode. Now it's time for you to go out there and take action on what you learned about instructional design today. Remember, you don't have to earn another degree and get a formal education in order to become successful in the field of instructional design. That's why I started the e-learning and instructional design for beginners. I would love to have you as an e-learning and instructional design for beginners member. My program is a proven step-by-step process you can use for a successful career in instructional design and create online courses from scratch. I offer a free membership that gives you the tools and resources you need to successfully start a career in instructional design and e-learning. To learn more, go to eteachonline.com join.